Today is December 10th, Season 2, Episode 44. Decky, how are we doing today, man? We are fired up. Jay Loricus, what a phenomenal guest today. St. Thomas uh, student right now. We literally caught him two weeks after he won the Fowler Entrepreneurship Challenge. You'll hear more about that and his company regarding addiction. It's called Addiction U, and they're launching in February. It was just an absolute ride. We hit the ground running, so just get ready for it. Enough said right there. I'm very excited for our marketing interns to end golf in this full interview conversation with Jay. But make it through that and get to the back end because we're bringing back the average quality as we always do. But now we have a marketing intern. No, we have Maddie C. Memorial. The I don't know. We haven't done this since June, I believe, when we were in Hilton Head. So this is going to be exciting, bringing that back. And then a what did you learn and a feel-good story. feel-good story is going to be a little bit of a change-up. So make it there. Stick around. Give us some feedback. A five-star review would be awesome if we earned it. But that's enough from me. Let's kick it to Jay. Intro music. It's your time to shine. that bread marketing interns we have jay loricus on the podcast today phenomenal story we're ready to pack unpack it all you're a saint thomas graduate or still going there still going still going man that's awesome well hey welcome to the back pocket man happy to be here absolutely so we're stoked to have you we have a little bit of background on you you sent us an awesome email descripting kind of your backstory but our marketing interns our listeners don't necessarily know you so if you could provide a little background about yourself, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess it starts about 10 years ago, what really matters, right? Uh, I was 12 years old, down there in uh, Farmington, Minnesota, lived in the suburban dream, mom, dad, little sister, me, and uh, life was good. And I guess if, you, if you're watching right now, you kind of already know what I'm talking about today. So uh, if we're jumping right into that, that's where it begins, 12 years old. And my dad, we went from simple suburban family and my dad got into drugs, and we're not talking, you know, low-level stuff. Like, my dad was into crack cocaine, and we found that out when I was 12, and everything changed. And my dad was the primary uh, financial provider. He was the sole income provider for my family. So when he began to go haywire, you can imagine things went awry in a hurry. And exactly that, I remember my dad became extremely violent. You know, he was in and out of the house, unpredictable. Things were going missing. Anything of valuables were going missing. And I watched it happen. 12 years old, I have a little sister. She's seven years younger than me. Happened right in front of her eyes. I can tell you crazy stories. You know, as I mentioned, my dad was somewhat abusive, especially towards my mom. Uh, I can tell you all sorts of stories about them getting into it. And my mom was very, very defensive of my sister and I. And she took no crap from anyone. So growing up, you know, in those early teen years, it was it was chaotic. My dad was disappearing days on end. Things, like I said, things were going missing. I remember coming home one day and my, my bed and my TV, like my bedroom was cleaned out and nothing there. And, you know, we're in sixth grade, right? Trying to go about your normal sixth grade things. And you know, life was chaotic and we battled and my parents divorced and we started over. How, uh, long, ago, how long after, um, you know, the addiction kind of hit, how long did it take for your parents to split? Yeah, it was a matter of about a less than a year. Wow. Nine months or so. I mean, Holy it was... Cow. When you get into those hard drugs, I mean, it just, it transforms a person. You know, they're not the same person. Right. And was there any, I mean, looking back at it now, was there any, you know, signs or was there any reason per se that this kind of all happened or? Yeah, you know, when you look back in hindsight, my dad was 
into, you know, he was a partier in high school, you know, smoking weed, that kind of stuff. Um, but he really straightened his life out, you know, when my parents got married and I was obviously the firstborn and my dad really straightened out and was everything a dad should have been, you know, the first 12 years of my life or so. He's my baseball coach. We'd go on fishing trips. Um, yeah, just completely normal. So to this day, I don't really know the thought process that, you know, was the decision. You know, they always say the first yeah. time you use is always a sober decision. So I don't know what drove that to this day. Um, but yeah, life started changing in a hurry. And yeah, it was about nine months or so. We, we My parents divorced after we found out that the house was foreclosing. So that was the big one. Um, my dad wasn't paying for the house. And bank called and basically said, you know, it's, it's ours now. So you basically got a handful of months here to get your stuff and get out. And that's when my parents divorced in that time period. And my mom, sister, and I, we started over and we bought a tiny little house, moved out to Chaska. And it was a fresh start. And my mom started, she was working full-time and went back to school full-time. So my mom didn't have an, an adequate college degree that she knew she needed to, you know, get us out of this hole in the long run. And I basically became a parent. I started, you know, adulting at 13 years old, right? And I was taking care of my sister, you know, making sure she had everything she needed on and off the bus. You know, I was getting fed, all those silly things, you know, getting the planner signed, any homework, all that kind of stuff. And my mom was grinding. And uh, we didn't see it, but we knew it. And life was crazy, man. Keep in mind, my dad's popping in and out of the picture. He's showing up high sometimes, chaotic, sporadic. Can't tell you how many times I've had the cops called to my house in my teen years, getting my dad out of there and stuff. And it was wild. You know, now I'm in a new school, right? So you don't want anyone to know about that. And I was very standoffish. I never fell into the wrong crowd, which a lot of people do. I preferred no crowd at all. I wanted nothing to do with anyone. I, no one talked to me. Like, I didn't mind being the loner, per se, because I didn't want anyone to know what I was had going on. And, yeah, that was that was life throughout middle school. And I can tell you, I'll give you, give you some insights, give you a couple stories. It was the morning of my sister's birthday. We were getting ready for school. It was October 30th, and we're in my chask house. Everyone's getting ready. And my mom takes a call, and we find out via the call that my dad is in the hospital. He was found on the side of the road, unconscious in the ditch in October. And they were like, they didn't know what was going on. We didn't know what was going on. They are like, you should probably come to the hospital and help us figure some stuff out. And so we went. We skipped school that day. It's my sister's birthday. And we spent the morning in the hospital. My dad had broken ribs, collapsed lung, broken bone in his face, concussion, was badly beaten. And no one really knew what happened and you know you go there seeing that I remember trying to like talk to my dad and he could hardly like say a sentence without like falling asleep or going like back unconscious and it was those kind of things you know you tried to balance with your everyday life and homework and you know you go to school and no one imagines that you know that's what you're spending your you know your home life doing um, and my dad eventually did recover they later found out it was a drug deal gone wrong and somewhere in the process my dad was badly beaten and thrown to the side of the road and left there for dead and that was a day before Halloween, right? People had mentioned that they thought he was a Halloween decoration on the side of the road. And it was it was a wild and trying time. And, you know, I'm trying to maintain that that identity for myself, too. You know, I tried, I was playing sports. Baseball is my thing. And I was playing baseball and, you know, trying to be a normal kid. And I, and I wasn't. And uh, it, it was a really trying time. And especially for my sister, too. You know, she didn't really have much of an idea of what was going on right you know she I remember telling her all the time dad's sick that's how we tried to word it because you know how do you explain to a you know seven-year-old what drugs and addiction are and what they do and stuff like that right so I was extremely trying and we did a lot of things right and a lot of things wrong 
And I couldn't, I was, through those years, I was in a lot of denial of this situation. I remember at one point, I, my dad's parents, so my grandparents, they live in Wisconsin, and we were going to go out there, they have like a little cabin set up and whatever. And we were going to go out there, and I hadn't seen my dad in weeks, and uh, we were going to meet up with him, spend the weekend with him, all that kind of stuff. And it was midwinter, and we drove out there, and we're waiting and waiting, and my dad's not showing up. And it's snowing outside, and I'm, I'm convinced at, you know, 14 or however old I was, that, like, he had to have crashed or gone into the ditch or something. Like, he, like there's no reason why he shouldn't be here. And uh, I, I remember we got in the car, and I made my mom drive all around western Wisconsin looking in the ditches for my dad just because I, I could not wrap my head around the fact that he would not have shown up. Right. And that was the reality. He didn't show up. And he started to, I, I started getting really angry. You know, I was mad at the world at 14, 15 years old. And I, I was very, very short-tempered, and, you know, and that's just not me. Like, my dad, my dad's disease had was changing me in that time period. And I went into high school like that, and high school was really where I started to sort of gain my footing, and we're getting out of this hole. And my mom gets her degree, gets a better job, things are looking up, you know, we're starting not... You know, material items sh- shouldn't matter, okay? But when you're in middle school and you don't, like, have what your friends have, it's, you know, it's pointed out and there's bullies and whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started to, you know, be able to get those things where we could, like, try to take back our life and be normal again. Um, so high school is sort of the turning point. And it was in high school, you know, and now you have to take those drug and alcohol education units, you know, the D.A.R.E. programs and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I was sitting in those, and they're, they were so fact-based, you know, these are difference between stimulants and depressants and opioids and versus uh, opiates and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, that's cool. But, uh, you know, from someone that just lived all this, you're really kind of missing the point on what addiction looks like and what it does and, you know, what you should be doing if it's affecting your family because these facts aren't really helping you in your day-to-day life. Um, and that was just an opinion I kind of carried and I really started to, you know, grow and I was playing baseball at a higher level in high school and had friends and was really starting to form that identity for myself. My dad was kind of out of the picture at this point. He had previously moved down to Colorado. And uh, I started getting, you know, I mentioned prior, I was mad at the world. And I really made that decision going into high school that, like, I was done. I was getting off the roller coaster. You know, these highs and lows of wanting my dad to come back and then him not. And then me being mad about it. And I basically stepped away from the situation. I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. And it was probably the best decision I ever made in hindsight. But it was hard at the time. And, uh... We kept rolling, and then my senior year of high school is when things started to change, and we had we were assigned. I went to Chaska High School. We had to do a senior project, which was really left wide open. You were assigned a semester-long project, but you weren't assigned. You had to pick a semester-long project. could be anything in the world as long as it left your impact on Chaska High School is how they framed it. And so I went back to that, you know, where I found a problem in the system was in those units. And I was like, you know, now that I'm more comfortable and I'm getting out of here anyway, so I don't really care, like, I'm going to tell this story. And maybe talk about some of the things that I did right, what I did wrong, and maybe we can actually, you know, help some kids that might be going through this. And so I went to my drug and alcohol counselor, and uh, after explaining to her that I knew what I was talking about and I wasn't just some random kid with an idea, uh, she's, yeah, like, let's set it up. And they gave me three speaking events and two in health classes and one in a psychology class. And I went in there and I did my thing for 45 minutes and people clap and yeah, it's a good time. Um, I was like, okay, cool, I'm done. And then towards the end of the year, my, that same counselor came back to me and she was like, you know, I had nine new kids come and see me. And she's like, and a lot of them mentioned you. And we were like, well, maybe we got something here. 
And so, long story short, I've been back to Chaska High School and now four other high school districts for five years now. Wow. Um, almost 30 speaking events, variety of different sizes, over a thousand kids. And then that same, down the line, that same drug and alcohol counselor at Chaska takes a job at St. Mary's University where she brings me in to teach the teachers um, how to teach a student that's going through that or how to work with a student going through that. And it's we started gathering all this data over the years and feedback and you know kids coming out to us and telling them how much this has helped and parents saying, what should I do about this? And all this feedback. And we hung on to it and it was always something, you know, whenever I had free time, yeah, I'm happy to help out wherever I can. And then we went to college and I combined, you know, passion for business and entrepreneurship. I'm a senior there now finishing up an entrepreneurship degree. And I met Eric Martin, who you can't see behind the camera right now. But he's crushing it. Yep. Doing really well, Eric. And uh, learned about a little of his story. And we both kind of had similar passions in the area. And we were like, yeah, maybe we should put something together here. And then couple that with our entrepreneurship degrees and... We started putting together an idea, and the Fowler was coming up, which is a University of St. Thomas business competition to pitch an overall concept. We were in the social tracks. We want, Our business was framed to benefit people, which it did, and we began to put an idea together, and I guess I'll leave you some room for questions, but it went well. Yeah, it's awesome, man. I think where we need to start is... I know, I dropped a load on you. Yeah, no, that's... I, I just want to say um, thank you. I mean, the fact that you're... You, you, you've shown that you've, I mean, you, you share this story and you've shared it numerous times, right? Yeah. And so you've, you've become very in tune with the things to say and mm-hmm. um, the tone to go about it because it's not an easy topic to say. No. So first off, thank you yeah, for reaching out to us and coming on. Um, I mean, reading it in email form and then you sharing it is completely different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, it really speaks to me and I know it's speaking to, like you said, it speaks to a lot of people you talk to and I hope our listeners resonate with what you're saying and I'm very excited with to unpack this even further but I just needed to say like that I just thank you no I appreciate it Mm -hmm. that's you know that's why we do it Mm -hmm. so the your relationship with your dad yeah so it's going strong for 12 years of your life Mm -hmm. you're relying on him he's a part of your heart he's part of your family and then over those next I would say six years that totally changed so what was that impact kind of mentally on you? I mean, you explained it a little bit, but was what was it like to just like lose someone like that? Yeah, I, you know, they always talk about, I remember back a long time ago, there's stages of coping that you learned in some psychology class at some point. Right. I don't really remember those, but it, I remember the phases and it started out with being extremely sad. You know, I remember being 12, 13 years old, crying my eyes out, like begging my dad not to leave. And you know, when, when he's high, that means nothing to him, right? You know, he's unfixed. Like, how do I get high next? And it's something later down the line, you learn to accept that you're not going to be able to get through to them. But in the beginning, you don't. And it's, why me? Why did I do this? Could I have done something? You know, you ask yourself all those questions. So immediately, I was just overwhelmed by sadness was the initial piece of it. And then as I rode this, got on the roller coaster, as I like to say, um, you know, every time there was a glimpse of hope, every time your dad showed up sober one time, you're like, oh, he's back, you know, like, here we go. And, you know, your hopes go up and you're like, ah, just a phase. We're back on track here. It's like a roller coaster. Exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, whether it's a day or a week later and there's always a relapse in my situation for my dad, you know, so it's in, you know, I'll come home from school and dad's not there and you're like, oh, back down again. 
And so we did, I did that for years, a handful of years. And that's, you know, when you get angry, that's when the frustration builds. And that's, yeah, that whole anger piece. I remember stuff I feel bad about in hindsight. Like there's so many people that if I ran into the people that I knew in middle school that I probably did something really dumb to, like, I remember being, um, like before school starts, before the bell rings, you're all kind of like congregating in the cafeteria area, or at least you did at my school. And I remember, I was, this is just sound like the dumbest story, but just to kind of frame, you know, where mine is at. Yeah. Um, I had my baseball hat on and we're goofing around or in like seventh grade cafeteria and some kid just walks by and like flips my hat off. Right. And it was just instant, like jumped on him. Right. Just mad. You know, you, like when you're mad at the world, the slightest little thing like sets you over the edge. Mm-hmm. And that's how I was living. And it wasn't fun. And I didn't want anyone else to be a part of it because I think I was embarrassed by my life. And, you know, you don't want anyone else to know about that. So, yeah, it definitely shaped me. And there's so many things, you know, nowadays, you know, that I'm beyond that. And I'm doing other things in school and business. And I, I see, I, I learned so much from it that I can reflect back on in a different sense. Yeah. And we can talk about that down the line. But, yeah, it shaped my everyday in different ways for, you know, close to 10 years. I mean, even now, it's never really over, right? My dad's still not involved. There was... um you know, it's, it's dumb stuff that I joke about it now because I always make light of the situation. I was in my apartment. I had just bought this big old painting, right? I had no idea how to work the anchors that you put in the wall. And I, was, I made the joke, you know, like, yeah, I never had a dad to show me how to work a wall anchor, you know, <laughs> to hang up a picture and stuff like that. And, you know, holidays, you're always reminded, you know, you gather there and there's right. half of your family missing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you never forget, but now that you're beyond it, you just kind of use it as motivation and kind of helps you shape who you are and your thought process for everyday things so I also like to note that I think it's really cool I mean a lot of people leave high school and then they're able to like get that breath of fresh air Mm -hmm. but you you chose to I mean you had the wherewithal and you talk about adulting early I mean this is a a small example of you in senior year high school having the confidence and like the knowledge of saying hey I have something that I want to share and there is this um senior project that could last a legacy at Chasco, but you really just thought about something that you cared about. It really wasn't the the long-term effects of Chasco. It was something that you wanted to share. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And Mm -hmm. I think that mentality speaks for all sorts of like things in life. Like it started for me there, but you're really only going to put your all into things that you care about. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it started there and it's, I mean that I remind myself of that all the time when I go in to get into new things. And even as simple as what eventually became a Fowler project. I remember Eric and I sitting at scooters in St. Thomas saying, what are we going to do for our Fowler project? And we're like, well, if we're going to, if we're going to do it well, we better do it about something we care about. And you know, it's a constant, you know, recurring theme of, you know, do what you care about and you can do it better. Yeah. And that was going to be my next question was Mm -hmm. you're transitioning to St. Thomas and you, did you initially know entrepreneurship was kind of the role and the major that you want to do, or did you fall into that along the way? Uh, yeah, so I always knew. So I went to a good high school. So we had like capstone programs. Like I had taken a handful of business classes in high school. So I knew business was my thing. Um, through high school, I was, baseballs was what I cared about. Whatever school let me play baseball. And there was some out there and I ended up hurting my shoulder in a beer league softball game of all things. Oh, Diving head first into a base. Ooh, tore yeah. it up. Um, pretty much put an end to it. Labrum and yeah, yeah, yep, the exactly. whole works. Yeah. Yep. And so then my focus changed. I was like, well, I can't play baseball anymore. So what I want to do, and that was business. And I also wanted to stay relatively close to my family because it was just my mom and my sister. Um, my mom hasn't remarried, 
So I knew I wanted to stay close to them, and St. Thomas was a perfect fit for me. Right on. So then you knew entrepreneurship, that was the business sense, and did you, so you're talking the Fowler Project, that's when you kind of um, kind of snowballed into what you're doing currently. Was that always on the back of your mind, and you were kind of waiting for something to kind of formulate, or was the Fowler just like, when you're talking to Eric at Scooters, was that kind of like that aha moment? Yeah, so I guess back up going into college, so I've, I'm, I'm a little weird, Ken, like the typical serial entrepreneur guy that has a different idea every week. Like I always joke, um, I think I own something Eric might even know, something like 35 website domain names. You I've do? Had, yeah, I've had two t-shirt companies. We did a thing where we were building chicken farms in Kenya. We've had a bracelet company. Like I was all over the place, okay? It's just what I like to do. It's my weird thing. I come up with an idea and we try to put it to use and most of them suck. What's your craziest idea? Um, well, in hindsight, it didn't seem like a crazy idea at the time, but it was a spinoff. Uh, so Enactus is a club at the University of St. Thomas that I was the president of for my first three years at St. Thomas. And so we work with growing nonprofits, basically, and do mm-hmm. good companies. So we had a nonprofit that does a lot of Kenyan aid work, and we wanted a, a way to expand their revenue streams, make more money. So we had, long story short, come up with the idea that we were going to use these authentic Kenyan-made goods, bracelets and stuff. We were going to sell them in America. They were, you know, fair trade, cool little beaded bracelets. And they were going really well, and they were selling them, and we had these really cool ideas, and Eric and I were kind of on the bandwagon. We were like, you know, this this is going really well. I bet we could spin off, like, a cool company that continues to help these people, because we had learned that they wanted, uh, you know, means of income. So we looked at the idea of building chicken farms in Kenya, which sounds kind of weird, but they could, you know, use the eggs to sell at market and make a form of income as well as feed their families. So it was a really cool idea to try to build chicken farms, which are very low cost, you know, a matter of eight, nine hundred bucks, right? <laughs> so sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> sure, man. We, we'll back you up on that one. <laughs> uh-huh. So we were like, okay, dude, let's, you know, we're simple minded. We're like, let's put together, we're going to sell apparel. We're going to do, you know, drop shipping, Shopify site. We're going to make right. some designs and, you know, we're going to build some chicken farms. And we started a whole LLC around it. It wasn't even like just a, you know, a website. Like we formed with the Minnesota Department of Commerce a business. Yep. Um, around it, and we hardly sold anything. It was just a massive waste. We lost like three grand on that project just in a couple of months, just because it didn't. It just didn't stick. It seemed like a good idea at the time. In hindsight, bad idea. But so uh, that so, yeah, <laughs> that's go ahead, crazy. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I mean. Th- just the attempt and the thought process that go behind it. It's something that we just started picking up on a few months ago. And and I mean, just to hear how many different varieties you've already been into, it's really, it's inspirational on our end for sure. Mm -hmm. It's it's a funny thing. And I getting to where you were going there with the Fowler and stuff like that, I'd spent so many years looking at business, like, okay, what can I do that'll make money right now? You know, you kind of ride the trends, what's hot in apparel, what are some... The short game. Yeah, the short game. What'll make me some money right now? And, you know, you you jump into it, and those ideas didn't work, ever. And I'm sure someone out there has, you know, made some money off a trend, but for me, they never worked. And so we had built all this experience, though. You know, we had known the ins and outs of starting a business. We knew all about how to build websites and e-commerce and marketing and all this cool stuff. And so then we got to the point where we're in social entrepreneurship. We already had to make a social business for the class. And that just kind of fit hand in hand with it also aligned with what the follower was looking for. So we mm-hmm. decided to take our project and grow it more rapidly than the class asked for in order to make it in time for the Fowler. Have we broken down what the Fowler is exactly? No, let's break that down real quick. All right. 
So the Fowler is a business competition at the University of St. Thomas. It's hosted by Ron Fowler, who is the owner of the San Diego Padres professional baseball team, amongst many other investment companies. The dude's literally worth almost $5 million. And so he, yeah, he's a cool dude. And he was a graduate of St. Thomas back in like the 70s or 60s. Wait, who is this? Ron Fowler. Hey, Sam, write that down. Ron Fowler. All right, cool. Thank you. Thanks, Sam. You're the best, dude. And so, yeah, there he hosts this competition every year. I believe this was the 10th one to basically just find new ideas and talent and push kids to create something in St. Thomas. And there's money and scholarships involved and whatever, whatever. And we literally sat in scooters and we had like two, three weeks before the submission deadline. And we still didn't really know what we wanted to do. And we were debating even going for it because, you know, we just we could still do the class project and get by. We didn't have to do the follower. So we're sitting there like, you know, do we really think we can put something together here in a few weeks? And you're like, well, if anyone can do it, it's us. And we went for it and we settled on the topic. And this is another funny story. So we settled on the topic. We were like, we knew we wanted to help, you know, children and siblings of addicts, basically family members of addicts who often get, you know, left out and there's not a lot of resources for them. Um, And we, we, the idea we came up actually started as a blanket company of all things, right? It was kind of, um, you know, the buy one, give one. We're going to create some really cool blankets. We're going to donate one to a family in need. We're going to have a scholarship fund, all this kind of do-good blanket company, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting because when you look at a lot of do-good companies, no one really touches addiction. Um, there's nonprofits and stuff out there. Shape really good it. point. No one, it's, it's a scary area to play. You know, there's all sorts of, and I'm not taking away from any of them, but there's all sorts of, you know, companies that are benefiting cancer and you know other nations economies all sorts of you never see one of for addiction so we knew we maybe had a spot there to play and we started building out this blanket company and we were going we knew nothing about blankets or fabrics by the way and we were going to like joanne fabrics and buying big sheets of fabric and literally like cutting them up on my apartment floor and making blankets and we had you know thrown in maybe a few hundred bucks into like blanket materials and building out this model and that's what we applied for the Fowler with. And we got in, so that's the first process, is you write a paper, you talk about the cause that you're trying to, um, or the need you're trying to fulfill, how you're gonna do it, basically, business model. And I think there was something like 84, 82 submissions, something in that ballpark. And based on the paper, they narrow it down to 16. We're gonna come in, and we're gonna put together a pitch and a presentation and stuff. So with the blanket idea, we get in. And we quickly are working through it, and we're running into a lot of logistical issues um, as far as manufacturing, barriers to entry, how much that's going to cost. And we didn't want the, the cost of the business model to impede our impact, right? Like that was our end goal is to help families. And manufacturers shouldn't have to get in the way of that. So immediately with our professor and stuff started like looking through different models. And we kind of learned about the idea of knowledge commerce, which was, you know, you see them all the time where poker players and chefs are like, take my course and learn how to play poker like me, you know, those kind of things. That was what knowledge commerce still is and was. Is that kind of like coaches too? Yeah, you know, you see every, everyone. Life coaches, man. Yeah. Shout out to the life coaches. You you can even describe it as like the how-to market. Yes. And you're just going on to YouTube how to do Excel, but obviously in a different Form. Yeah, all sorts <laughs> of people like learn how to don't get my sales funnel on, you know, yes. all sorts of stuff like that. But we we're like, you know, this a the idea of knowledge commerce is really convenient. You know, knowledge at your fingertips, download a course, you know, whenever you want to use it. It's a convenient idea. And so, what if we used it to teach all those things that the high schools weren't 
and that was when the idea was kind of born, that we can basically pool a bunch of videos and knowledge and interviews of recovering addicts, their loved ones, different perspectives. We had EMTs speak with us and really kind of paint this picture of what is addiction in America, stories from addicts, stories from you know parents who tried to parent through it, kids who tried to kid through it, and um, you know really assemble just a pool of stories of real life applications of things that worked and things that didn't and all that stuff you know in hindsight you know now when we can say it worked and provide that to families because they're not getting it in schools and there's a lot of stigma and judgment and people are often very very hesitant to like seek out counseling and stuff like that um, so we wanted to provide a tool that they could download on their phones and computers and stuff to start in the privacy of their own home you know this isn't an alternative for counseling we always try to throw that out there like we're not telling you don't go to counseling use us like but it's it's step one you know learn everything about the issue and learn how other people have gotten through it and then you can sort of apply that to your own lives and figure out where you want to go from there from the privacy of your own home so it started there and then it just kind of you know next step if we can make a course for families we can probably make a course for high school students and like start implementing this into high school curriculums and stuff like that and just to get my timeline down when you pitched to the to Fowler and mm-hmm. the whole project where were you at in the project this was just kind of the idea yes. of it you hadn't actually done the interviews yet right so okay. I had cool. I'd mentioned I'd done like almost 30 speaking events before and a lot of times I'd spoken with a panel so I knew people already in mm-hmm. the industry I knew I could get these people to do videos and stuff like that um, but we pitched the concept and we started talking to my high school and a couple local ones and stuff and we kind of learned that like dare is sort of failing right now um business wise so dare is the national powerhouse for drug prevention and awareness they do a lot of the what does it stand for again what is it drug drug and alcohol sam oh this just shows how bad it is honestly because i don't know can we we look it up yeah something education drug and drug Drug alcohol resistance education Okay. I'll say that again one more time, Eric. Drug abuse resistance education. Gotcha. That's the one. So in the 80s, the Reagan administration built out this nonprofit around the idea of drug prevention and stuff. It was the first time in 83, I believe, that America acknowledged they had an addiction problem and that they were going to set up to do something. And they started doing all these surveys and data sets and putting together the numbers, and here's how big the problem is. Mm-hmm. And they started teaching it. Like, look, at, look at this big problem you need to be aware of. And in the 80s, they were like, we're going to educate our youth and this problem will be solved for the generation to come. And then we roll around to the 2000s and 2010s and addiction in America is more rampant than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. And they yeah. said, well, that didn't work. And now all these institutions and stuff are beginning to drop dare programs because they're expensive and they're not working. And there's many other factors. It's not purely a lack of education, but education is certainly not keeping up with the problem. Correct. So we were like, well, there's an open door, right, for high school school districts in that market. And that was what we pitched. We said, here's this opportunity, and here's basically our compelling advantage to solve the problem. And we, so once you get into pitches, I mentioned we qualified for the final 16. Then they put you in four rooms, each with four teams in them, and you have to win your room. So everyone does a presentation. Is this all inside St. Thomas or yes. is this national? Nope, so this is this particular one's purely at St. Thomas. Okay. Wow, so 80 different ideas mm-hmm. at St. Thomas. Yeah. School of 6,000 kids, and how many kids are in the entrepreneurship uh, a few hundred maybe that's that. amazing dude <laughs> that is amazing it's so cool it does include grad students too we should throw in so any of like 
Right. Any any grad students can get in this too. Wow. Um, so we had to win our room. And funny story, not that it matters. We went into our room and we threw up our presentation and stuff. And we started and we're scripted. And uh, our PowerPoint just just goes to crap. Like the clicker jammed up. So all the slides are just like bang, 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 like barely through our presentation. Right. And we're on script, right? So nothing that we're saying is lining up with what's behind us. Oh. So we were like, oh no. Like we had this like catastrophic, we thought we, you know, got screwed over by our tech and we blew our shot. <laughs> and so we left that room one like mad, you know, like, we were disappointed. And we went through the rest of the day and we're like, oh, stupid lunch and stuff like that. Cause we thought we didn't have a chance. Rightfully so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of lunch, they announced the final four, which go up in Wolf Alumni Hall and pitch to the entire crowd base and judges and stuff like that. And they called our name, and we were like, "What? Like, <laughs> You're kidding?" Yeah. And uh, we were like, "Sweet!" Like obviously, they saw through the concept, and then we quick rallied together. Like, all right, let's you know get our mojo back here and get ready to lay it down again. And, You're up, baby. Yeah. Never say die. And we rallied together and we we're of the final four we were the third team to go uh, we laid it down without a hitch we were perfect on script perfect on clicks everything was perfect and we knew like we got off that stage and we were like well if we don't win we left nothing on the table like we can hardly be mad about it that's awesome well and you guys had a business idea that was i mean baller that's yeah. so cool were you competing against scott ballard he, he, yes he was in it too no way yeah awesome he wasn't in the final four was he no yeah. oh. he was actually in the same first room as us so okay it's kind of we really wanted to see scott do well actually because we're friends with scott and mm-hmm. we got put in the same room with him we were like, and if it wasn't for scott we wouldn't be here today so yeah. yes <laughs> scott's always providing value man. shout yeah. out to scott yeah well so then you 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 won the follower award congrats yeah. congrats yeah, yeah that's incredible yep. eric too yep oh, yeah, congrats, good, eric. Good work, eric. You're also crushing it over there. <laughs> um, what came next? What So you win it, and what's kind of the follow-up uh, follow after that? Yeah, so I guess immediately we win. First place gets you a $15,000 scholarship, and then we also won the $1,000 bonus for best presentation. Wait, when was uh, when was this? This the... was November 16th, a Friday, a few weeks ago, two weeks ago. Oh, my God. This is very recent. Yeah, it's very recent. Holy and so shit. it's been, to follow your question, it's then wow. been wild after Okay, um, oh, let's unpack it. Yeah, so basically, I mean, just from day one, like, what? we win, right? And then everyone comes up to me, and I'm so-and-so, I know someone, here's my business card. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, okay, we got all these business cards, people. <laughs> I, Dude, like, that sounds exactly like any, like, LinkedIn event you go to, it's just the exchange of business cards, you're like, all right, what do I do with all these? Yeah. Right. And so we basically started unpacking those, and then news people, like, St. Thomas was like, well, hey, we want to do an article on you guys, and then it's my local town paper, Chaska Herald, we want to do thing with you guys oh and then and, and it's then, a podcast dude like yeah. the back got, pocket comes you, over now you got the <laughs> back pocket going out yep. dude right on and now then, you've hit it big so right and making that, your rounds yep and people start reaching out you know it's the weirdest things of a kid in the crowd who saw us dad owns a rehab center goes home tells dad dad calls us like now we're in touch with this rehab facility that wants in on it and so we immediately got like this outpouring of like we need this and it was just so reassuring. It was been the funnest couple of weeks here because we were like, A, we won. That's pretty cool. B, like, holy cow, at this response and, like, the demand for it. Like, not only did we have a good idea, but there was people that were basically begging for it. And so then we were like, we better hurry, you know, like, and start putting stuff together. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we're at right now. And we're currently building out everything and all our videos, all our content. We've got pilots set up with high schools already for the spring. 
um, and we wow. got to be ready to roll. So we're working our butt off here um, through the end of December, and luckily we're not taking a J-term class, so we're locked in on this. Focusing on... And we're going to build out all our courses, and we're doing our official launch here in the first week of February. Wow. And yeah, and in the meantime, we're, we're doing podcasts, we're doing news articles, <laughs> yeah. we're just telling everyone about it. And starting to share the story because it's really interesting whenever, every time, there's yet to be one that I have not had someone come to me and say, you know, like, me too, basically. Like, I have this problem and you're helping me out. And this is just a virtual speaking event, basically, right? So, you know, whoever's out there listening, that's like, you know, this this could be something my family or some family I know could benefit from, you know. Mm -hmm. It's it's our way of saying something's on the way. And... uh, it, it's fun and in the meantime we're just having a blast doing it dude i had no idea it was this quick of a turnaround yeah. sorry for the lack of research on my end but it's all good well i i just remember scott text me like or you actually scott didn't text me at all it was you who mm-hmm. texted me saying hey scott yeah. gave me your contact information um heard you had a podcast blah 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 and yeah i mean i i knew scott was in the competition with this concussion company yep, and everything yep. and so I kind of put the DOS together, like, oh, we won the Fowler, blah, blah, blah. That's amazing, dude. That's so cool. And you, you said you do real estate on the side, right? I do. Okay. I'm a weird kid, first of all. So let's You're a serial start entrepreneur. You're not weird. You're a serial entrepreneur. <laughs> yep. Well, we're also weird, but we're also serial entrepreneurs as well. Yeah. So. so I went, I was like a normal college kid my freshman year. I dormed in Ireland, and I made it one semester, and I said, I'm not a normal college kid. Like, I didn't like... You didn't like Ireland, dude? Okay, I mean, like, I didn't mind Ireland. Like, I, we were IFL champions, you know, a little football league there action. You, mm-hmm. right you know, we made the most of it. Um, but at the end, I was weird, and I wanted to work, and I wasn't into, like, being a broke college kid. And I was like, I want to have money and do stuff. and like, Which is totally understandable. Right. And so <laughs> I applied part-time as a marketing intern to the Patterson Sky Group, which hmm. is a condo and loft brokerage downtown Minneapolis. Okay. They sell all the condos and lofts, and pretty rad. So I'm like, yeah, you know, we'll make some flyers for these guys and make some money in college, right? And long story short, over the last few years, I've worked my way up, and my boss quit, and last June, I took over her full-time position as, like, the team manager or team director, coordinator. I handle all the back-end stuff, right? Um, So then, you know, that's a full-time job. So every day, Monday through Friday, 8 to 4 or so, I'm working um, full-time. And then I take 12 credits, so then Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday nights I'm in class unless I'm skipping them to do podcasts. And Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Hopefully your teacher's not tuned into our live stream, dude. We reach out to a lot of people, so. Jeez, dude. And then basically, what? like, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we're doing this. That is freaking awesome, We don't dude. stop. Yeah, it's so it's it's not, everyone talks about the 9 to 5, but it's really about the 5 to 9. Yep. And we know that side hustle, dude, like, it is you come home and like for you, you're either going to class or you're grinding on your passion. Yep. It's pretty much, it's funny too, because I'm a very like systematic person. It's mm-hmm. kind of, it's like some people call it weird, but like every day of the week I'm getting up at the same time and I'm going to bed at the same time. Like I'm doing the same thing. Good. Um, I'm very like systematic about that stuff. And it's, it's every day from, you know, I get up at eight, all the, you'll find out all the serial entrepreneurs that are like, oh, get up at four thirty, run three miles, those kind of guys. Yeah. Not me. I get up at 8 every day, and it works just fine. Um, and that's what we roll with. Do you get 8 hours sleep? Yeah, you know, generally. Good. I usually, here's my thing. I crawl into bed at 10.30. I go to bed before midnight. That's Perfect. Perfect. That's 8 hours. Yeah. Okay, so now kind of transition a little bit to the back pocket. Yeah. So back pocket core question is, what's your average quality? 
And so through all of this whole experience, um, you're an incredible person. You're an incredible. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, your story is phenomenal. And I, I have, I have been like, just very inspired yeah, just no, on you. our end because we think we put in work and like, there's always other people out there and you're a great example of other people putting in a ton of work. Um, so throughout all of this, we ask, what's your average quality? And mm-hmm. it's something you do well at times. It's something you don't do well other times. So, Jay, what would be your average quality? Yeah, so I thought about this. And I've come to go two different ways because I couldn't decide on it. The kind of boring answer that people aren't going to really care about because it's not funny is, like, I'm genuinely, I do all this stuff, right? I'm not an organized person, okay? I'm not, I do not use a planner. My desk is a mess. Like, I'm, a, you know, chaotic. Mm-hmm. Like, I do not keep stuff nice and neat in order it's just a constant my whole entire life is just a bunch of papers on a desk that i take one at a time right um this isn't really a quality but it was brought up to me so i felt i needed to share it when i when i asked my friends what they thought and it's kind of funny and it comes down to food right i'm i've been told i have poor taste in food oh no and it's kind of funny because i kind of agree with it because i'm like i'm a big chicken tender guy right doesn't matter. Okay? It speaks volumes. And exactly. And I was at a funny story, okay, because I'm, I'm maybe poorly cultured in food. And I was at a real estate meeting, okay, with a huge developer, my boss, and I get drug along to this, okay? So we're talking, you know, this is a $30 million table, and I'm not in the, anywhere near Soon that, to be. Right, right? Soon to be. And so they're ordering, you know, my boss owns seven steakhouse downtown, so we're at seven. And we're ordering oh. plates of sushi and stuff like that. And they hand you the chopsticks. I have no idea how to use chopsticks. And I'm at this meeting, right? And I'm trying to, like, hold my own and do my part, right? Act like you know how to yeah. use chopsticks. No idea. Like, I didn't even want to attempt to, like, try to get the sushi off the plate and whatever. So, like, every time they'd look away, I'd, like, reach over and grab it and put it on my plate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, that's that's an average quality of mine is my ability to be fancy pertaining to food. You know what's good though? You mentioned chicken fingers. Chicken fingers are like the only food that are consistent across any restaurant you go to. You can go to the nicest restaurant in the world, and if they have chicken tenders on their kids' menu, it's gonna be the same thing at Applebee's. Right. Exactly. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's consistent. Good. Yeah, that's my average quality. That's. A, I mean, I love how you broke that down because <laughs> first off, the fact that you're not organized shocks me, but at the same time, doesn't shock me at all because you're an absolute go getter. So it, I mean, it, you don't need to necessarily have that plan going forward. And then the food aspect cracks me up because my dad's in restaurant and I just grew up being a foodie. Mm-hmm. So like when someone says they're a chicken dinner person, um, you, you know, you know, you kind of know what that the, the, the follow up after that. Exactly. <laughs> Is there like a food that like everyone likes, but you're like, dude, I can't stand that food until people give you crap about it. Um, I feel like that. I don't know if it's that weird. I don't like ham one bit. I okay. 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 It's no, not that weird. We won't. We won't. This podcast will not give you crap about that. Yeah, no. I actually support it. We're pro not him. If that makes sense. We're pro moms. We're pro moms, um, Um, but we're con ham, I guess. Now, yeah, we're pro almost everything. We're pro meat, I would say. Um, But anyways, yeah, yeah. I guess I don't have anything too crazy. But it's kind of funny because, like, on that organization point, like I pointed out earlier, that I'm really systematic, right? Yeah. I get up at the same time. I get ready in the same order. I Mm -hmm. do most of the same things every day, and I go to bed at the same time. Another weird J fun fact: like I watch the same show every night without like it has to be the same show. Let me guess. Let me guess. You're guessing office. I'm guessing how I met your mother. You're both gonna be wrong because it's a weird show. Well, Amazon Prime Grand Tour. I'm a car guy. Mm. Oh, okay. Uh, 
What funny about uh, a funny story? No, I was just saying it's a oh. funny show. Jay, Jay Leno, he's got a like yeah. a garage or mm-hmm. something like that. Some were you into that? Yeah, I've watched it a handful of times, okay. but I get down into like the the Discovery Channel car shows that like okay. fifty five year old men watch. Like I'm kind of into that too. Nice. But I fall asleep to the same show every night, and it's kind of funny that I'm so systematic but not organized. Mm-hmm. And like people ask me why, basically, what's wrong with you. And I have a really weird philosophy, and it's like, if you put your day-to-day on autopilot, right? Like, if all the basic stuff that you do every day, you don't have to think about, it leaves room to think about everything else, right? Mm. So I, that's why I do the same thing, so I don't have to think about it, because then I can worry about everything else, yep. which for me is a, a lot. lot of stuff. So that's yeah, freaking awesome. Put your everyday on autopilot and worry about everything else. Do you have a, uh, a dream car um, that you'd like to someday have? Yeah, I mean, so many, to be honest with you. But Okay, but what, what are your thoughts few? on Tesla? I, okay, so this is a good question. We're going to whole new can of worms right here. Oh, no. Okay, so I respect Tesla. I respect the green initiative, electric cars. Like, that's where the world is going. I think it's good. Like, I'm pro-save the planet, right? Mm, good, so are we. And I like that. <laughs> I don't like driving Tesla. So I'm like the typical gearhead, okay? Like, I like to hear my car type mm-hmm. thing. Um, so for me, it just doesn't do it. Like I dig Tesla. I dig what they're doing. I think Elon Musk is hilarious. Um, but I just never buy one personally. Okay. So you're talking like seventies Mustang, like which is a big old engine. Yeah. They vary. Like I'm totally into the muscle cars. I actually leave here tomorrow night to go to Meekum car auctions in Kansas city. Cool. Um, just cause I get into that stuff. I'm not going to buy anything, but I just like to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you go to those, like they're driving it around and just showing off their vehicles. I've never been to a car show. Yeah. So this is more like an auction. So it's not quite as exciting. So okay. basically it's a humongous warehouse. I think it's in the convention center or something. Oh. There's a few hundred collector cars that they pull from like dealers all over the nation and they auction them off. And most of them are going for cool money. Um, but I just like to look at them and it varies. Like, I dig the muscle cars. I'm also just a total like sports car guy. I'm a big Porsche guy. Okay. Um, like my car's boring. I drive a Lincoln, so it's like it doesn't go fast. And, mm-hmm. yeah. I drive a Dodge Stratus, and it's broke down three times in the last <laughs> six weeks. So uh, yeah. I, I okay. Eric can attest to this. My car at a high school, my very first car, and I was so proud because I bought it myself. Good. 2002 Ford Escape. Sucker was rusted out. It like made a different noise every week. Like it was a janky car. But I love that thing. Like, I started working at 15. I worked at Arby's, okay? Shout out to the Chaska Arby's. Mm. Um, we have the meats. Yes. And I worked Speaking there. Speaking of not liking ham. Yeah. Maybe that's why. <laughs> <laughs> and I slaved away until I could buy this truck. And that's it was crappy. Awesome. It was a couple, you know, a couple thousand dollars. It had, like, 180,000 miles on it when I bought it. And I drove that thing into the ground. It had over 260,000 miles wow. just up until last summer when it finally broke down on me. Transmission failure. And so I finally was like, okay, I guess I should buy a real car. Yeah. But. That's really cool, though. Like, not, that's amazing, dude. You had to just work your way, get a car. Now you're just crushing My yeah. mom, so my mom is the backbone of my entire family. But she is a very, very hardcore, like, nothing is given. If you want it, you earn it. Like, yeah, no, that's like, awesome. From day one, from I, you know, got a job in the first place at 15 to pay for my driver's ed thing. And it was half and half situational. Like, we probably couldn't really afford it at the time, going through everything we were going through. But it was just the way my mom was, is even now. So my mom, she has a master's degree now, and my sister is a high school athlete. Like, everyone's doing really well. Like, now she has her means, and she has a great job and stuff like that. But still, like, everything is, you know, my entire life is, uh, if you want it, you earn it, and you work for it. And I attribute so much of that to where I am, because now I got... Like, I don't like to brag, but now I got, like, cool stuff. Like, I was able at 21 to, like, get my own apartment downtown. I live there alone. Like, mm-hmm. it's mine. And, you know, like, 
and that's purely back all because I started adulting like nine years ago mm-hmm. yeah. and it's like that's why I'm where I'm at now and, and shout out your mom the yeah. backbone oh, I mean absolutely. I hope she's listening right now or maybe tuning in in a week from now because this is a podcast you can yeah. listen to whenever uh, and I, I dude she must be so proud of you I, I I hope to meet her one day because this is just an awesome story uh, gosh yeah, my mom's killing it yes. Everyone, my sister's killing it she's you know now a softball player and stuff so it's kind Ooh. of funny because it's come full circle prior she's a freshman at Chaska this year um, prior to then, I was her softball coach. I coached her softball team. Wow. So which is always funny because my dad did that for me, and I wanted to make sure that my sister didn't like lose out on that opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I was coaching like twelve year old girls softball every night. But wow. we were killing it. it the story <laughs> keeps getting better. Dude. Yeah, and that uh, is so cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it's in hindsight, like it all just you know it was meant to be. Like I can't even regret it now. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, I'm not a. I'm not, not that this really matters. I'm not a religious guy very much. So when I say like everything happens for a reason, I don't mean it so much in like the like predestined state. But mm-hmm. I honestly think that like, you know, now in hindsight, like I feel like I maybe owe my dad a thank you because if he had not done that, like there's a very, very good chance that I would not be here right now and mm-hmm. have had the incentive to work and learn what hard work does early on. And, and I think that goes for my entire family because now everyone's killing it and I mean, you can't even hardly complain these days. So I like to, I mean, not to get too philosophical, but I like to attribute kind of that met, um, thought process to, you know, you seized an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, there, it could have gone a, a thousand different ways, right? There was the predestined path is, um, is destined if you continue to go down different paths. I mean, they're all there. You just have to pick that opportunity and move forward in your own manner. Mm-hmm. You're in control of that much. Um, and like the book, the outliers, Malcolm Gladwell, yep. he, de- he describes it perfectly in the sense of like, or I see perfectly in the sense of like, you're lucky to the sense of things are happening to you where you need to just jump on it and move forward. Mm-hmm. And, um, speaking to someone directly that's not in the, that book, such as yourself right. really continues to reinforce that kind of mm-hmm. mantra. And yeah, and on the flip side of it, just I'm a big believer in just like self-belief and confidence and mm-hmm. like learn to fail while you can afford to fail. Everyone's like, why are you trying to start businesses at, you know, 19, 20, 21? Mm-hmm. And it's like, because I'm probably not going to be able to when I'm 30 and have kids to worry about. Mm-hmm. Like, Because you can. Right? Yes. And so that's, I believe it. I mean, it's half, like I attribute my history and circumstance to it, but half is just, you know, a lot of you know, self-belief and if you want it to happen and you make it happen. Mm-hmm. And oh, that's just phenomenal, man. I'm so impressed with, you know, a situation that you look back and say, yeah, I don't want to be in that situation. If I could go back and decide whether this would happen to me or not, you probably would say no. But okay. looking at the situation you were in, you made the most of it. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you went through that and no one else did, you use it to your advantage. And now you're using it as the basis and the platform and the foundation of why you do what you do right and it's not just me either there's a lot of people out there and yeah i found them and i speak with them exactly but now it's exactly why we offer so much value to these families currently in the situation mm-hmm. and it you know really all works together like it's all you know a bunch of puzzle pieces that fit together and it's a cool deal so throughout this whole process and maybe just on your day-to-day routine you can even focus on a short term um what would be in your back pocket as jay what is in your, it could be a mental ha- uh, attribute, it could be a habit, what's in your back pocket? I think in a weird way, it's my history. You know, when you look at when things get get hard or things get tough, life's stressful, 
you really kind of look back and you say, you know, I've I've overcome so much worse. So, you know, there's very, very few problems that can compare and scale to some of the things I've had to deal with growing up. And so that's what it is. It's just a constant, you know, reference to history of I've been through so much worse. So whatever I'm worried about or stressed out about right now is not something that I can't overcome. And I, I keep that with me all the time. And it's uh, oh, awesome, man. Would How would you say your mom would be is she i would assume i mean part of your history but like i really wanted to just talk about your mom real quick yeah, no, I'm just good. like i mean she's goes from someone who you know relies on her husband and everything's going well to getting a divorce being a single parent working a full-time job with two little kids mm-hmm. going and back then, to school and then going back to school full-time as well mm-hmm. and it looks like it all worked out yep but what was that like for her man it's it had to have been so hard and when she was in the worst of it you know I was still so young and now I understand how time consuming it is to uh work and go to school and stuff (laughs) yeah um so even now more than ever as I get older I like find without kids right without kids Mm -hmm. and without having you know two more mouths to feed and stuff like that every night you know I can't imagine like I feel like I'm stressed out so much sometimes I can't imagine what my mom went through the time she was putting in the money she was constantly having to scrape up to provide and to take all that and continue to you know work harder and grow to get to the point she's at and I think it's crazy I think like she has the wildest story to go from you know in a matter of years that situation starting over with nothing basically and now she has a master's degree and it's like she's killing it like it's wild she must have been I, I mean I don't want to put words in your mouth or into your family, but just seeing how she, seeing what you are today and seeing how, what she's been able to do, it must be just that kind of coexisting uh, or just morphing together, a yeah. product of one another. And, and mm-hmm. now my mom, and my mom and I are like friends, like it's it's kind of funny nowadays because yeah. we'll just like joke with each other and you know, some people have a very, you know, parent and kid, people can't see my hand motions, but like parent is above the kid. Sure. Um, parenting mentality mm-hmm. and I feel like when you go through something like that you know it kind of any um, sort of uh, what it should be kind of goes out the window when your life gets turned on its head and you become mm-hmm. a team you know it's not so much a, a mom and kids relationship like you're a team yep. and you only get through that you know it's, you play sports you know it's a team effort right yeah. everyone plays their role and that's exactly what it is and it still is today sweet man where do you want to take um addiction you and everything I do I know you mentioned like the black box and beyond the black box like what is what is all that yeah so the black box theory or the black box movement is kind of something that comes from our speaking events and we it started when we compared two families and one again we're not looking to take anything away but we looked at when like cancer strikes a family and versus addiction strikes a family so if you have you know a couple of parents and a 12 year old kid and cancer strikes let's say one of the parents there's an immediate community outpouring of support you know Every other parent say, you know, you better be nice to that boy. He's going through a hard time. Can we help? Can we take your kids? Anything you need, just let us know. That's the mentality when something like that happens. Most of America would agree that addiction is also a disease. So when that strikes that same family structure, everyone's completely different. Other parents say, you know, you're not allowed to go to their house anymore. I don't want you taking rides from them. Be careful hanging out with that boy. I don't want you going down the wrong path. You know, there's a completely different stigma. And the black box theory started. And by the way, those parents aren't necessarily wrong per se. But now that you put a whole family in a box of addiction, like, you know, it's not just the dad or whatever, that whole family sort of inherits that disease and has that societal societal stigma around them. 
And that's where kids fall down the wrong path. And they think that they're less than their friends. Mm. And that's what we try to avoid. Because the data is out there, like children of addicts are six to nine times more likely to be one. And that reoccurring cycle, I mean, that's what kills. And that's ultimately what we're trying to break. We're not out there to end current addictions. You know, it's just a massive undertaking. But we're looking to eliminate the bridge, you know, the next generation, the continuation of the cycle. So that's our goal. And the black box theory comes from exactly that, that families are put in black boxes when there's addiction involved when it comes to society and how they look at them. And so we're the whole point of this thing is the black box movement is to point out that because a lot of people don't realize it um, if you've never lived it. And most would be this, most people would say, you know, in hindsight, that's not fair to do to the wife and kids, right? But that's ultimately what happens, you know, just inherently because of the, the situation. Right. So that's where the term black box movement was born and what we try to share this idea. And then beyond the box tour and stuff like that that we're putting together is just kind of what we've named our speaking events and stuff and how to break gotcha. beyond the box. Um, and so we coined that. And we're putting together some dates and some events where we're going to kind of have, it's not going to start out to be anything too wildly crazy, but to launch this bo- beyond the box tour, mm-hmm. you know, just start it in Minnesota high schools and, you know, everything so far prior to the Fowler has been word of mouth. You know, we got into five districts prior to Addiction You and the Fowler just speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, so we continue to grow it. And, you know, you start somewhere and it's nothing crazy today, but, you know, maybe we'll be talking again in a few years and it'll be a little different. It's going to be freaking awesome, dude. I can't wait for that Yeah. because this is so early. Yeah, we're, you're early. You, I mean, you're hearing it here first. Mm-hmm. If this ever gets anywhere. You, and it you, will. Yeah. Yeah. In some shape, in some way or shape, it, this will make something. Yeah. It will become something. Oh, I'm excited for that. Yeah, me too. Um, It'll be fun to look back on. Absolutely. Anything kind of transitioning? I'm thinking... We finished with our final two questions. How, what, what's, how much time are we looking at right now? We're at 56 minutes. Oh, sweet. Yep. Perfect. Awesome. Um, so we'll finish with two questions. Yeah, on me. First one is, you know, we've been pestering you with questions the entire time. You know, <laughs> it's just been, it's been back pocket questions, man. We want to open the door for you for any questions for us. Yeah. I mean, your viewers may have already heard this, but I haven't. But like, what got you into podcasting in the first place? I can talk. I can touch on this. Um, this goes back to um, February. Of, we started in February 2017, but it goes back prior to that in that fall semester of 2016. And Declan and I had grown close, probably something similar with you and Eric, um, some class or some sort. We, we were on the football field, and we're like, we love podcasting. We talk about it every day. We listen to a comedy one called Pardon My Take, mm-hmm. Barstool, very yep. sati- satirical comedy of sports written. And we're like, well, we could do it in our own way and talk about our average our average lives and how average we are and then talk to really cool people and hear how awesome they are. But at the same time, they have these same average qualities. Mm-hmm. And we're like, all right, how do we do this? So we just started talking to our friends. We bought a $50 mic and then we, <laughs> uh, just recorded it and tried. We put it on like, a, I don't even remember, Feedly or I don't even honestly remember that first site we used. I can't either. But we eventually got on iTunes like seven podcasts in and we just kept on seeing small wins and more small rewards on our end. Like never um, in the revenue sense, more just like, oh, that was a really cool interview. Like we got to talk to someone really cool. Eventually talked to the president uh, three times. um, Of St. Thomas. Of St. Thomas. uh, President Julie Sullivan. Shout out her. Mm -hmm. She was awesome. (laughs) Thank you for giving us your time. And I mean, we just continued to move forward in that kind of like, we love having conversations, putting those phones away, and talking to someone that we had no prior interaction with. Besides a few emails and a few text messages, we we don't know each other. Mm-hmm. And we can sit down here and speak for an hour, record it, take a lot away from our end, but at the same time push it out to an audience and hopefully 
one person will take something away. Similar to kind of how you have always one person comes back to you and says, me too. Yeah. Our sense is a little bit less uh, extreme to the sense, um, but in more of just like, hey, you had someone on that really spoke to me, um, and I, I hopefully I can implement that in my daily routine. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. I mean, I always say, like, everyone means something to someone, and, I mean, just try to find that one person. Yes. Yeah. So that's how we see podcasting and, how, and uh, why we got into it and why we're going to continue to be in podcasting. Yeah, no, it's sweet. Mm-hmm. I've just, honestly, I first time I heard about you was from Scott Ballard, and, you know, then I started, I gave you guys the follow, you know, started doing my research, right? Got to yep. find you guys and start listening. That's it's a sweet deal. And I have a lot of respect for you guys and getting into it. And, and I know, too, taking the risk, too, um, when you're younger, a lot of people talk about how expensive new ventures are. And, mm-hmm. you know, I see you guys got all this stuff. So props to you for, like, taking the chance and being like, we're going to buy this. We're going to do it. Yep. You know, it's that, it's that power broke, you know, Damon John book. Have you ever read yeah, that? I've heard of it. Um, it's a cool deal. And, you know, you put your back to the wall and you force yourself to succeed and mm-hmm. make some cool stuff. And here we all are. Right on. Well, I'm thinking, uh, you know, you watch, what, what was that show you watched on Amazon? Uh, Grand oh, Tour. Grand Tour. Okay. Yeah. You watch that every night, no matter yes. what. Okay. Um, <laughs> I have a new suggestion for you. All right. Lay Maybe. it on me. Maybe a couple nights a week, you could tune into our podcast on YouTube. We got some sweet, <laughs> always blogging. We got some sweet podcasts on there. Mm-hmm. I think uh, you'd enjoy a few. I'll send you a couple over. Uh, one that comes to mind is the Stationary Astronaut podcast. Very well done. Uh, very well produced. I think you would love it. Yeah, no, and sure. they're pretty much like this. I mean, they're what an hour, a little, little over an hour sometimes, mm-hmm. and the production quality of this one's gonna be off the chains. Yeah, because we got Eric yeah, right shout here. Shout out to my man, shout out Eric. Eric. Uh, but that transitions us to our last question. A simple question. What did you learn today from the moment you woke up to having this conversation with us? What I learned today. Life's ex- I'm going to be, I don't know if this is boring. Life's exciting, man. Mm-hmm. Like, get up every day and, like, find something to look forward to. And I think today just em- embodied that because I, first half of my day, I had a ton of stuff. Like, stressful hurdles to overcome. I had meetings this morning, three of them. And I'm like, ugh. And the whole day, you know, I just kind of had my eye on that prize. You know, you find one good thing about mm-hmm. each day, mm-hmm. and you shoot for it. And you get up every morning with that in mind and use that as motivation to get through everything else. And I think today just completely embodied that mentality because I was, you know, I woke up excited to come down here and talk to you guys today. And I was just, all right, you know, a couple more hours till I go talk to these guys. And, you know, one more hour, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it is get up every day and find something that you're excited about that day and get after it. Well, thank you so much for joining us, man. We really appreciated the time you gave us, the story you spoke. Um, looking forward to hearing the feedback, and I'm um, looking forward to hearing how you move on as, uh, come February, the launch. That's yes. going to be awesome. It's going to be huge, and I appreciate you guys so much for having us and taking the time to listen to me and having a little fun along the way. Jay, you're the man. I love how comfortable you are. I love how your passion is turning into something awesome and very significant to so many people i'm very excited to see in february that launch day and staying in touch with you throughout this whole process is going to be very cool i'm also excited i had this idea i didn't bring it up to him at the time but i'm sure he's listening now is i think with what he wants to do with his model of um, reaching out to people and having these courses and these different videos and unpacking these people's story i feel like a podcast for him would be perfect or just some sort of series where that um, these people can unlock, I guess, through a through a package or something. I got a pitch for him too. Okay. Let's uh, we can't we can't spill the beans on that, but we got a pitch for him. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Right on. You're we'll, on to something. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk off. Should we trap the puck? Yeah, let's trap the puck. Right on, man. All right, Sam, how you doing today, man? It's good to have you back. Uh, I'm feeling energized after that interview with Jay. Yeah. Uh, it it's uh feels really good listening to somebody. You can tell that's definitely his, his passion. Uh, he was definitely born to you know. 
be educating people about this issue. Uh, his story was incredible. Uh, I'd say this is probably the best podcast I've been here for. Right now, I'm gonna say that right now. Wow, you're putting that on I've record. Yeah, I put that on record. Nice. So I will this say this is the one to beat. Yep. Hell yeah. I will. I just also want to say a thank you to you, Sam. Uh, we've asked you to show up every week, and without fail, you've been here. And like that means like the world to us, to be honest. Yeah, we were talking about this weekend, and like everyone is so surprised that we have an intern. Like all of our close friends are like, "What is it? like what?" And we're like, "Dude, we are giving him stuff to do that we think would be of value to him." And he has the opportunity to say yes or no, and he's been doing all of it. Like, we're not we're not demanding any of this. And I mean, just honestly, Sam, thank you. Like, you being committed every week is fucking, it's just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you guys just saying thank you just makes up for the fact I'm not getting paid for this. Hey. Yeah. Hey, you know, that's, that, that's the pain. Hey, you know, let's that's, go. That's what I was going for. All right. No, I've had, I've had fun. It's it's a good time. Sweet. I'm so is it is it kind of tough that we're getting on these 21-year-olds who are crushing it, and you're also 21? Well, here's the thing. I'm a 21-year-old internet a podcast okay, so who's really yeah. flexing yeah you guys uh, yeah i mean i think i'm gonna bring that up every time that we have someone on this how would you have somebody on that's not 21 i feel like everybody has been 21 years old in the last well like, good amount of time you know that'll be the next no, how about like older than me so i don't feel as bad because a 19 year old will be some like ceo of some like we already virtual reality company that's uh, okay well no worries anyways let's trap the puck let's trap the puck. we do I'm, a lot of that now yeah i'm, I'm nervous Big, big, hockey, big hockey guys now yeah we love hockey here state of minnesota but getting to uh our average quality this week mm-hmm. you said you were nervous yeah i'm nervous okay for our average quality why because i'm just this is my biggest flaw i think right now throughout my interviewee interview your podcast career podcast career is this, a, is this a dent in your podcast role like in your in your resume i should say yes okay and that is when does this happen? Like, like right on? in the very beginning. Oh my god! Every podcast, I I fail without doubt. I wish, yeah. So I mean, let's let's just unpack it right now. Okay. It's uh, it's you pronouncing last names. It's embarrassingly bad. I mean, we don't we don't whine, we don't we, we well, don't we quit. Don't wanna, yeah, we, we don't, never get embarrassed, but it's it's pretty damn close. Yeah, we don't want to call you out specifically, like you know. Sam and I do a pretty good job doing a research and pronouncing a last name, you know, rehearsing it at night and yeah. stuff. But like, I just don't get it. I don't understand why I can't, like, figure out how to say a last name. Like, I got yours right, Schooneman. That was, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I got yours right, but... What's my own last name? Not even going to say yours. Okay. Not even worth the right, pronunciation. Right, right. But it's... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's not even worth my time. Okay. Um, But, like, we're going to go through this list right here, and I don't even want... I really... I'm going to shoot two, two for five. Two for five. Okay. So let's. These are all guests or people who have been associated with the podcast. The first one is. I'll say the first name, and you have to say the last name. Okay. Ready? And let's let's make it known. Like I can see these, and I know they're coming. Yeah. And I'm still gonna. Go no, ahead. no, we're we're good. Yeah. Right, you ready? Yeah. Gino. Giovanelli. Dude, hell yeah. David. Meltzer. Hell yeah. I'm keeping count. Okay. Yeah. Um. Ooh. The co-founder of Alter. Kari. Hell yeah. Is that right? Yes. Giselle. Ugardi. Mm. Jay. We we just had you on, Jay, and this this is where the average quality came from. Lock it, lock it. Come on. Can I look at it? Yeah, you can look at it. Lor- Lorica? Oh. Larissa. Loricus. Loricus. 
that's four. That's where the average quality came from. I we had four attempts, I think, and finally Declan goes, "I'm doing it." It's all on the live Instagram. It's too. all on the yeah, live. So yeah. everybody that was tuned in got to mm-hmm. make fun of you. So I hope they see it because laughing stock. I did do well. I think we. I think I pronounced Gio's last name wrong. You did. Yeah, that's not, no. I did too, though. No, like right now. Oh no, Giovanelli. You got that right. I don't think that's right. You don't think that Giovanelli? Remember, it was like Bon Jovi. No, it's, it's remember. Gio, I know, but he, it's like Bon Jovi, but that was screwing you up because okay. remember you had it right, and yeah. he was like, "Yeah, it's it's like Bon Jovi," and then you couldn't say it for the life of you, and then I couldn't <laughs> either. But uh, anyways, Giovanelli, I'm pretty sure that's hands down my biggest flaw, and I think you helped me. You helped me rise, so therefore, combined last name pronunciations, we are average. Yes, absolutely. Well, uh, Sam, you bring it up on. even a little bit more than that because I'm so far down there. So thank you for being here, Sam. Again, yeah. thank you. We're yeah. pro last names here. Yeah, very much so. Not, so let's, not an ad, though. Just not an ad. So, so let's get back to our back pocket roots here, boys. The Maddie C Memorial, a little background for the new listeners. This is Andrew, you got it? I love to do this one. Okay. Okay, so Maddie C, my roommate of now... It'll be, thir- this is the third year living with him. And, you know, we had some a lot of interaction with him playing football. And you guys have heard this story many times. He is a little hesitant when it comes to making a decision that he is a little uncomfortable, or really in most decisions. And he'll sit back, he'll ask him a question. Hey, you want to, uh, you know, go watch the game at Liquor Lyles, grab a beer, um, and get some half apps. And he'll sit there and he'll look at you, silent. Little, little afraid. Not he can't say no, but he doesn't want to say yes because he doesn't want to commit himself. And it'll be a, and you're just like, dude, give me an answer. (laughs) So we made a segment about it, and this is probably I'm just gonna go off on the record and say the 11th time we're doing it. It's like the 11th time. It's our favorite segment. We can all agree on that, right? Yes, it is definitely our favorite segment. It is just an absolute blast. What we do is we will say things that we are hesitant on. And we'll ask each other that, and then we will respond accordingly. Mm -hmm. So I will go ahead and start. When you're at the bar and your buddy taps you on the shoulder and goes, "Uh, you want a cider? And you're just, I'll stick with a Bud Light. Yeah, I don't know know about that one. All right, how about when Declan habitually asks you to go work out on Tuesday morning at 5.30, and you're just like, I'd rather be sleeping, so I'm going to hold off. And then you have Vinny come on your show, and he runs the place, and he asks you again, and you're like, well, I probably should, and then I end up going. So, throw, yeah, I don't know, man. And now you got the bug, by the way. I got the bug. Uh, my next one here is when I get in my Uber ride in the morning at 5 in the morning when I don't have my car, and I go right up into that uh, Uber driver's ear in the front seat, and I go, hey, you want to listen to my comedy bit? And I just look him right in the eyes, and he just looks at me like, like with this crazy look in his eye, and he goes, well, you know, I, I don't know about that one, dude. Sam, you got any? Yeah, I got a good one. Okay, um, let's hear it. Yeah, so when you're hanging out, and uh, there's somebody, you're talking to somebody about Netflix, and they talk about making a murder, and they're suddenly like a forensics ex- expert because they watch that show, and they just look at you, and they're like, Stephen Avery is so innocent, and you're just like, oh, there's blood everywhere. I mean, yeah, yeah that was that was what I thought of. That was good, probably like, really good. Dude. I, I just thought of this one. Um, this happens to me probably every night. I'm I'm getting into my bed and I'm like ready to go to sleep. Like I've done everything, brushed my teeth. I've I've, I've, I've gone through minutes. my routine yeah. and I put my head on the pillow and I realize my contacts are still on and my garbage cans like across the room and I'm like. 
I don't know what I'm getting up. I'm just going to throw these contacts on the ground. Yeah. So that's one. awesome. Yeah. How about this one? Uh, you are, you know, some random high school kid who went to Chaska and you're in the same room as Sam Schooneman, who's like, you know, famous in Minnesota. And he goes, yo, dude, do you know uh, Bobby Schobert from Chanhassen? And, you know, the you're kid just like, who is this guy? I don't know. I played hockey with him, dude. I don't know. Maybe. This is kind of this is kind of you, Sam. Shout out to Derek and Ed, actually. That's what I asked him about, <laughs> the kid from Chaska. Played hockey with him in Mankato. Yeah. Shout out Derek. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I can't wait till we have you know someone who really doesn't know anybody, but you're still throwing names. you got a lot of name drops here in Minnesota, and I love it. Yeah. I did not realize when we hired you on, uh, you know, looking at the pros and cons with you, and you obviously had no cons, which is why we hired you. But, you know, I did not realize how famous you were. Oh, calm down. Come on. I, Dude, you are so famous. You have... You, you posted an Instagram with some girl, which, like, I don't even know. Shout out McKenzie. Shout out McKenzie. Great marketing intern, hopefully. Um, you're like, yeah, I bet a bunch of you people will comment on it. You've got, like, 500 likes and, like, 150 comments. And I sent it to Andrew. I was like, what's going on with this kid? Our intern's out of control. He's the best. He's the best at what he does. I don't, I, don't, I don't have to say. I'm just, I don't know. I'm blushing. You're just you, dude. Yeah. It's awesome. This is my life. And yeah. we, we are now rewarding you with your own segment. Yeah, yeah, and so are you are you prepared? For I'm it? I'm very excited. For okay, so I think okay. you listeners we, want to hear a ton of me. So we yeah. haven't. Yeah, we yeah. haven't. Uh, last week we kind of just like brushed through it. We uh, incorporated it within another segment, but now this is going to have an official title. It's Sam Sam's word of the week. Uh, no Sam sa- uh, slang slang term slang Sam slang term. Yeah, I don't know. What we're gonna Sam call slang it. Sam slang oh, Sammy slangs Sammy yeah. slangs, dude. Good one. Yeah. All right. So here we go. This okay. is this is your segment okay, alert. Yeah. All right, All right. Uh, slang. Um, should I use it in a sentence or should I just say it? Uh, say it, then use it in a sentence. Okay. Yeah, ask okay. us what we think it means before you describe okay. it. Yeah. On baby. You're a baby. On baby. On baby. Mm. Baby back, baby back, baby. That's what I think of. Yeah. On baby. Uh, carry on. Keep 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 right. plugging along. All right, bro. Uh, yo, before you come before you come over tonight, can you pick me up some chase for my booze? Yeah, I got you. On baby? Yeah, I got you, bro. Mm, on the company card. Yo, bro, after the gym tonight, you want to go get some Chipotle? On baby, let's do it. Mm, that's on your, your dad's money. So you're yeah. you're down. No, no you're, you're putting no, the money on something. No. You're doing it. You're no. going. You're... Bro, I'm getting so drunk tonight. Oh, my God. On baby? Why are they so on ruthless, baby. dude? On baby. Like, uh, uh, oh, kind of like on the house. No. Oh, um shit. Um, on baby, like I just I don't know. I, it um, means it means it means like I swear, like I swear to God, like dude, I, I'm gonna, I was not picking that up. I wasn't picking it up. Like I, I swear I'll do that. Like I swear I'm gonna do this. Oh, on baby, like dude, on I this baby. I'm about to do so good on this test. On baby, how about like on God? Can on you make baby. sure to do your dishes? On baby, yeah, that's all I want to do. Just do your dishes. Yeah, but it's usually when they say like, like yo, can you do the dishes? And I'll be like, yeah, I can. You'd be like, on baby. And then you say yes, or you say on baby. baby. Oh, you get back, back yeah. on baby. Yeah. Mm. I yeah. like that. So okay. Yeah. Okay, we'll work that in. That's that's a that's your best one. Yeah, I think on baby. Yeah, that was not pick. No, that, that was, was like me saying that. Like <laughs> on, on yeah, baby. I was using it. That was horse. That was horse. Dude. <laughs> Let's not use horse. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's that, the best horse. Part. Horse is pig, honestly. No, it's, dude. No, it's yeah. Not horse is pig. pig. Yeah. We're not even gonna get into that, but 
I like that. Yeah. That segment will uh, that's sticking. Okay. It's sticking. Yeah. It's starting to really... so keep you guys young. Yeah, keep me young. Yeah. While oh. we're young. On baby. Don't drop on baby, on baby at like a meeting or something. Yeah. No, it probably won't. They'll be like, What? I'm gonna try it. I'm just gonna try and get it in, into my lingo. I okay. I owe I owe that to myself for sure. Mm. Okay. We'll report back. We're we're just gonna try to use it every week and then we have to tell you how we did. All right. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. It's like a spinoff or you know something something that you just don't think from the field. Absolutely. All right, trap the puck as we have consistently done throughout this little back end. Um, To our final two segments, what did we learn this week? We're going to start with myself uh, because I just want to take the initiative on this one. Yeah, go for it. You don't have like three things though, right? No, one thing. You guys continually just like I got two things. I got four things. It's like you. How many things can you? I have one thing. Yeah, I have one thing today, and. You get you kind of already brought it up. I brought it up in the Maddie C Memorial. I'm back and I am out of shape. I went to work out for the first time, like like really work out in nine months. No, twelve twelve months. Because I haven't worked like genuinely worked out since football ended. It's been just kinda of like going in there and maintenance work. Like I pushed myself today. I am out of shape. I look fine, but I was sluggish, dude. I got my ass kicked today but we did it and I'm, i got the bug i'm back which was awesome we went at 5 30 on tuesday last week matt weist is the coach it's at alter you know it's just we're Dude, in the, the first pod- off that man's a monster oh, he, he is. is so just physically put together it's not even funny he's just like a six six just beast of a human yeah and he, and he just like just like says you do this and like yes I'm going to I'm gonna follow your direction absolutely but yeah, you crush it man I'm ready I'm excited yeah, I'm for that's you that's what I learned yeah you're back yeah Andy's back Declan what did you learn this week um hey man how you doing doing really well and been doing a lot of podcast research and like just research on the podcast industry you're always doing that listen to, yeah I am um, listen to this stat sixty five percent of monthly podcast listeners have been listening for less than three years so you're consistent. Month by month, listeners have only started listening to the podcast in the last three years, and I just think that's one of the craziest stats in in terms of just like how fast this industry is growing. Yep, unbelievable. So untapped, so yeah. much potential. So many people starting to be committed to mm-hmm. making time for a podcast. Yes, because that's really what it comes down to: is you fitting it into your schedule. It's not something that you can just throw on. Uh, you can, and some people do do that, but I think more so it's like, I got to make time for it. And you're hearing that type of stat really reinforces people are doing it. Oh yeah. Mm. Sam, Sam right. you learn, man. this one's guys got, thank God you're sitting down for this. Mm. Okay. Anyway. So, um, oranges were called oranges before the color was even called orange. Whew. So give me a little history lesson here. So, okay. Think about something that's just orange, like a, like an orange jacket. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's that color is called orange from the fruit. Mm-hmm. The fruit isn't called orange because of the color. Mm-hmm. The color is called orange from the fruit. Dude, I like this. This is a color. This is nuts? really good. Yeah. This is, How did you find that? Did I explain that properly? Perfect. Okay. Yes. Yep. It was on Reddit. Okay. Uh, yeah, that dude, I read it today. I learned it. Phew, nuts. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great cocktail little tidbit. Like, you can plug that when you're just like out of topics. And you need to say something to like a family friend or like just a, like you need to start a conversation, man. Like, do you want to know like how orange got its name? Well, it's from the fruit. You could yeah. also say, hey, man, yeah. what do you squeeze? What do you get when you squeeze an orange? You get orange juice. That's the truth. 
And then you just go on a tangent about the chase. Yeah, sorry. That's yeah. just a Dave Meltzer quote. That okay. 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 Yeah, sorry. Sorry for screaming. Really you shocking guys. right there, man. Yeah, yeah. but hey, uh, let's let's wrap this up. Let's Phenomenal. get let's uh, let's get these marketing interns feeling good. A marketing intern is a listener. Thank you for making it this far. We have, um, you know, we've been trying to implement this in our feel good story as of recent, and we are going to, you know, shout out to the people who have not only bought a T-shirt but have. Continuously given us some sweet feedback, always supported us in any way, shape, or form, just shooting us a text or just saying when they see us, just like, hey, love what you guys are doing, something along those lines. Absolutely. You want to start? Yes, I'd love to. My first shout-out is going to Kevin Kern. He has started, or he re-listened, he had listened to a few sporadically, but he recently got a new job, so he put in his two-week, and in those two weeks, he finished all of season one, and then he started his new job, and he takes the train to work um, uh, into the city. And that's like a 45-minute train session. And now he's already on um, season two, episode 40, or episode 37. Wow. Like, he is cruising through our show, and he bought a T-shirt. This is all happening within the past five weeks. He's an absolute stud. Marketing intern. Thank you, Kevin Kern. And you make me feel good. I got another one for you. Jordy Lindell just finished up his uh, football career at St. Thomas. He's a good friend of ours. He was order number one. When we released our T-shirts on that first day, the first ever purchase we got was Jordan Lindell. And, you know, that means the world to guys who are getting into the T-shirt industry right away, not knowing if your product's going to hit or not. Mm -hmm. Jordy has supported us uh, ever since we started and has been one of our biggest fans. So, Jordy, you're making me feel good, man. Yes. Can I do my marketing intern? Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. Marketing intern shout-out goes with my buddy Mike Fred, Mike Mm. Fredrickson. Uh, Absolute beauty. From uh, goes to Duluth. Uh, gave him a FaceTime last week with Declan and Andrew here, and he just soaked it up. He was loving it. Uh, lo- lo- Our lo- first fanboy. Yeah, literally fanboy. Uh, he lo- he loved you boys. Loves a podcast. Uh, promise that when we when I take you guys up, I'm you know I promise you guys. He take, promised us a couch too. Yeah, I promise yeah. you guys. I'm gonna take you guys up north. Mm-hmm. When we go up there, we're gonna hang out with him. Hang out with the boys. You guys are gonna get a little taste of uh, northern Minnesota up there. So shout Bunch out beauties. Shout out Mike Fred. Uh, love you. Keep listening. Attaboy, Mike. Proud Excited of you. Excited for you to come home for a winter break. Love I'm going to speed round a few here. Uh, Matt Drew, childhood friend, set, stood by the, at the bus with this man. He was my quarterback when I was a senior. He was a sophomore. He just, just shot us 20 bucks for a shirt. I was like, dude, you're the man. Yep. Um, and then Holton Saylor, he was also one of those guys that just jumped on board when the original t-shirt sales were being sold. Just love your support. Thank you. Absolutely, man. All the interns out there. Thank you so much for your support. All the Gensvolts. Oh, shit. all yeah. three of them. All three. All three Gensvolts. The entire Gensvold family. We had um, both. All the Gensvold bought shirts. Mal was our very first guest ever on the show, which was nuts. And then we had her father on later on. But the Gensvolts, you guys are making me feel good. I'll say Sophie Ringle. Mm-hmm. She's the best dude. She um, also bought a shirt. Sam's got one here. Uh, Connor Daly, my roommate from Mankato. Just got hired at the uh, company I interned for right now as a marketing intern. So we'll be working together. Mm. Uh, bring, back the old, bring back the old dorm. Oh, the so, dynamic duo. Ju- Julia Sears. Love one, that. 114B. We're back. Mm-hmm. We're being corporate jungle. Love but, uh, that. Shout out Connor. Congrats, man. And shout out my uh, my brother and his roommates. I mean, huge supporters of the podcast. Tommy, Micah, uh, AJ, even Sam Bates. Love what you're doing. And PI, thank you always for supporting us, dude. That's a wrap from my end. Yeah, that's a wrap from my end as well. I mean, anybody who is a supporter, you know. We love you guys, and we will be doing more shout-outs, of course, at the end of our show. Without further ado, though, man, we got next week is our final Monday podcast of Season 2. 
You Giselle. guys gonna cry? Uh, no. Okay. I'm excited for what's to come. I'm excited for Giselle Ugardi. She will be the 80th Monday podcast that we do. I mean, so we released a few on Tuesday, but we're including those. The start of the week. She's the 80th one. How awesome is that? We 80 weeks in a row. Or sorry, 80 weeks overall in the past two years, mm-hmm. we have released a podcast. Sick. Over 100 podcasts. Tip your hat to that one. Yeah. Freaking awesome, though. We will see you next week. It will be, what, December 17th, I'm thinking off the top of my head? Sure. Whatever it is, man. Monday, 5 a.m., Giselle Ugardi. See you guys then. Love you guys. Take care. Take care.